0: Pregnancy, labor, and birth are all on the list of life's most significant events. But even now, the spotlight remains on the pregnant, laboring, and birthing person's experience. I get it. I mean, I was pregnant, labored, and gave birth to four kids of my own, so I really do get it. But if we're in a relationship with someone and starting a family together, we need to acknowledge the significance of these events for our partners and try to understand how these events impact them specifically. How are they feeling about the realities of starting a new family? What are their concerns about being a good parent, a good provider, a good partner? Are they feeling confident and excited or scared shitless about being your go-to support person for labor and birth? Has anyone talked to them about their experience with newborn babies? Just because our partners are not obviously pregnant doesn't mean that their lives aren't about to change forever. But if we continue to dismiss or even ignore how becoming a parent impacts them, we risk having partners paralyzed by feelings of vulnerability that may delay or keep them from fully moving into their new role. And this is bad news for the whole family. Welcome, my name is Barb Buckner Suarez. For over two decades, I worked as a childbirth educator and a couples coach, helping thousands of families say yes to parenting. I've got some thoughts about how life changes when we choose to become parents. Those thoughts may be irreverent, funny, or countercultural at times, but I promise you, they will always be real. Whether you're curious about starting a family, in the middle of your fourth pregnancy, or your birthing days are long over, raising the next generation is hard. And all of us could use a little more support. I want this to be a place where you can find that support. Because let's face it, birth happens. Sometimes I'll ask the partners in my classes a couple of quick questions to highlight how their experience of becoming a parent differs from their pregnant counterpart. How many of you have anyone in your life asking how you're handling this pregnancy? as opposed to asking how you're handling your partner's experience of pregnancy. How many of you are having a baby shower thrown in your honor at work? Few, if any, partners ever raise their hands, but if they do, they usually report working in the field of education. It's stereotypical, but y'all, it's true. How many of you have gotten into a fight with your pregnant partner about how much money they're spending on the crib, the stroller, the nursery, the car seat, blah, blah, blah? This one usually has every partner raising their hand, and it gives me the opportunity to talk about how the pressure of being a good provider weighs so heavily on the partner's shoulders. The journey of becoming a parent for partners is different from pregnant and birthing folks, but it's still a journey. One that has its own set of specific vulnerabilities. Perhaps you thought that you and your partner would be on the same page in terms of growing up and taking care of your new little baby. Perhaps you thought you'd both suddenly be so much more mature. Perhaps the reality of where each of you are in your development as new parents is causing some distress. Perhaps, perhaps, perhaps. Have you ever heard of the word generativity? This is a fancy term coined by psychologist Eric Erickson and basically it means becoming less selfish and more selfless. Moving into this state of generativity usually happens somewhere in adulthood, and often it coincides nicely when folks are becoming parents for the first time. This makes sense to me. A baby is born, a family is created, and suddenly you find out what real responsibility means. Now you have to take care of this completely helpless person. You're nudged into growing up and maturing into the role of parent, so you can put your needs on the back burner while you attend to all of your baby's needs. It would be so lovely if both you and your partner grew up and into your role as parents at the same time and at the same pace. But often, this isn't the case. Maybe it's the sheer physical demands that you, the person with the baby on board, goes through during pregnancy. Or maybe it's because of the intensity of labor and birth. But often, the state of generativity is reached more quickly by you than your partner. This can cause a lot of conflict in the early weeks and months of life with your new baby, y'all. Because of your physical ties to the baby, especially if you're breast or chest feeding, you might feel resentful toward your partner, who's still finding time to carve out a quick run, take a long hot shower, or see some friends on the regular. You might be thinking... Don't you see that all I do is give, give, give to our baby day and night? Dads and partners might see you in your role and doubt whether they're ready or able to fill such impressive shoes. Their learning curve is oftentimes much steeper than it is for the person who's given birth because they don't really become a parent until the moment that the baby's in the world. Sometimes it's also true that they might not have had as much exposure or experience with babies as you did when they were growing up. So all of this is completely new territory for them. Dads and partners might be thinking to themselves, I can't do it. Diapering, bathing, soothing the baby the same way you do. It's not as easy for me as it is for you. I suck at this. And society still sends the message loudly and clearly that if the birthing person identifies as female, they're automatically the better parent, which is utter crap, by the way. But if you ask your partner to be more engaged and involved, That's somehow seen as nagging and controlling behavior. This does not make for a happy couple on the other side of giving birth to a bundle of joy that was supposed to bring you closer together. For partners, especially male partners, pregnancy, labor, and birth might be the first time in their lives where they feel completely out of their element. And from a societal standpoint, we do very little to welcome them into this world of pregnancy, labor, and birth. Dads and partners might go to every clinic appointment and ultrasound. They might want to be really involved, but still end up feeling like a third wheel. Or maybe deep down, they're completely freaked out and long for the good old days where they'd be escorted to the waiting room and not required to step foot into the labor and delivery until after the baby's birth. But if they tell anyone that, they're going to be labeled as insensitive and uninvolved. Dads and partners have lots of feelings about what it means to become a parent, including vulnerability, but may not feel safe in expressing those feelings. What if we tried to meet dads and partners wherever they are during the pregnancy, without judgment, and then try to support them better in their role as expected parent? Communication needs to happen early and often so you both know where the other is in terms of adapting to your new role of parent. This can feel like an emotional landmine if you don't respect the zero-judgment policy, Your partner needs to be able to reveal their true feelings about becoming a parent, and they need the time and space to move into that role. But there's also something to be learned from our partners by those of us who've given birth, moving into our own version of parenthood. We need to remember the importance of self-care and figuring out our individual wants and needs that we don't want to lose in our new role of parent. Instead of feeling resentment toward our partner, maybe we can learn from them how to carve out the time and space we need to feel whole, and separate from our role as parent. Of course, I'm speaking in general and in somewhat gendered terms. Sometimes it's our partners who are beyond ready for their role as parent, and it blows us away that we might be the ones who are slower to catch up. The reality is that very few couples reach this stage of generativity at the same time. But instead of putting a wedge into your relationship, perhaps this can become a new and better way of understanding each other as individuals. Perhaps we can learn from each other, as opposed to being intimidated or resentful of one another. Perhaps this can be a period of growing together rather than growing apart. Perhaps, perhaps, perhaps. Can you see how your partner might be approaching parenting at a different pace from one another? Is this helpful to realize how very common and normal a stage of development is and that it's still possible to catch up? Here's a short and sweet reminder for all new parents. Our partners will care for their babies differently from us. They are unique individuals who come to their role of parenting with their own set of family and life experiences, thoughts, and ideas about how to take care of a baby. Depending on their personal exposure to newborns, they might be feeling ready and raring to go or not. But either way, They'll most likely do this whole parenting gig in ways that are very different from how you might choose. Now, some of these differences are big and can end up being deal breakers. Y'all if this is true for your family, you'll need to figure some things out and it might take a professional to help. I hate to break it to you, but those big differences don't just go away or get better with time. Honest, open communication is key to being able to trust one another As partners in parenting. But there are other differences that really are no big deal. These are the ones that you don't have to worry about and maybe you should even celebrate. Because babies thrive on love, attention, and being parented differently by different people. One parent might be a little more conservative in how far afield they let their little one roam, holding their hand as they go down the slide. Another parent might be totally comfortable throwing the baby up in the air at dizzying heights that make the partner's heart leap from their chest while it makes the baby squeal with delight. And for the record, this doesn't come down just according to gender. Men are stereotyped as being the ones who always let their kids do crazy stuff while women keep their kiddos close. In our family, that's true only some of the time. Just know that judging one another's way of parenting can end up only increasing feelings of vulnerability. And instead of getting what you think you want, a partner who parents your child the way that you do, you may end up with a partner parent who feels insecure and lacks confidence in their own ability to parent their baby in the way that feels right to them. This usually results in you taking on more and more of the responsibilities of parenting because your partner is either looking for direction and affirmation or avoiding all of it for fear of judgment and criticism. Y'all, no one likes to be told over and over again that they're doing something the wrong way, especially when we're talking about parenting. Every new parent is worried right from the very start that they're going to screw this whole thing up. For a lot of dads and partners, the baby isn't real until the moment of birth, so they might already feel like they're racing to catch up from the get-go. Trusting your own instincts when it comes to all kinds of parenting issues is an important skill that takes time to learn. Give each other the space and grace for that learning, and you'll both end up feeling more confident and engaged, less vulnerable and resentful, and ready to do this whole parenthood thing together as a team. Most of us have different comfort levels with when, how, and where we let our kids explore. And our children have different comfort levels that have to be considered as well. Some kids love to fly through the air. Others, not so much. Whatever your parenting style might be, parents provide safety and security to their baby in very different ways. One might keep their little one close in a snug embrace, while another gathers them up and holds on tight after an exhilarating experience in defying gravity. But both approaches help your baby learn how to fly. Who's the more safety-conscious parent in your family? Is it you or your partner that's a little more on the wild side? How do you think your baby will respond to these differences? According to the U.S. Department of Veteran Affairs, Eight out of every 100 veterans suffer from PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. The highest number of those who have PTSD tend to be young servicemen and women, the same demographic that, after returning home from their deployment, might consider starting or expanding their family. It's incredibly important that we honor those servicemen and women by acknowledging and highlighting how witnessing birth whether it was complicated or involved any significant threat to the birthing person baby or not, can still trigger PTSD for both veterans and the larger population of new dads and partners. The research on PTSD and childbirth in new dads and partners is really lacking. The focus continues to be on the pregnant, laboring, and postpartum person, not on what their partner's experiencing in labor and birth or beyond. That focus needs to be expanded, y'all. If a dad or partner has been deployed and witnessed horrors on the battlefield of war, the sounds, sights, and even the smells of the hospital or birth could be very triggering for them. They may be much more sensitive than those who've never served, and the possibility of being triggered needs to be discussed by the couple, their provider, and all other members of the birth team. Now, all dads or partners benefit greatly from having a doula or someone they feel very close to as direct support for the birth, But especially those who are at higher risk of PTSD, in case they need to step out and away from the situation if they're feeling triggered. All members of the family's birth team need to be educated on the symptoms of PTSD and understand that the dad's or partner's need to remove themselves from the situation does not mean they're being unsupportive or will miss out on bonding deeply with their new baby. They're just taking care of themselves, y'all, and taking care of their family. In a way that has lasting benefits but it's also important to acknowledge that dads and partners who have not served in the military can also be surprised by feelings or symptoms of ptsd following the birth of their baby even when the birthing person might describe it as a really positive and empowering experience for some dads or partners the moment of birth is anything but positive and empowering if they did not know what to expect when their baby was coming to the world it would be strange if they didn't freak out. In my first birth, the labor was long, almost 30 hours from start to finish. Both my husband and I were exhausted by intense and persistent back labor. When the decision was made to break the bag of waters to see if we could speed up a protracted transition, which is exactly what happened, my daughter's umbilical core became compressed. My birth team flipped me over to a hands and knees position, gave me an oxygen mass to breathe through and performed an episiotomy and vacuum extraction to get my daughter out safely and quickly. Now, all of this was done with my full understanding and full consent, which helps to explain how, despite the co-team being called just in case, I was able to describe this birth immediately after and now years and years later as an incredibly positive and empowering experience. I also had the benefit of swimming in the hormones that Mother Nature provides to those in labor, oxytocin, endorphins, and adrenaline. My memory of this birth is more like an impressionistic painting, slightly out of focus, soft around the edges, and at points, almost dreamlike. During the actual birth, I remember feeling like I was a freaking rock star and our baby was going to be just fine. My husband, on the other hand, didn't get the advantage of those same hormones He saw everything in super clear detail, all the edges sharp and in full technicolor. He was scared for both me and our baby. We had two doulas there, one up by my head whispering that everything was going to be just fine, and the other one, a dear friend, hugging onto Roberto and reassuring him that the professionals knew what they were doing. I believe it was because of them that my husband was able to make peace with this birth that was very troubling to him in the moment. Now for families who attend my in-person classes, I hold a reunion about six weeks post the last due date in the class. It's really just a chance for me to get a little oxytocin by proxy. If I'm being honest, I get to hold newborn babies while the families get to hang out and compare how things are going on the other side. While the birthing folks share their birth stories with one another, I always make it a point to ask dads and partners to tell me their version of the birth story one-on-one because no one ever asked them about the birth or how they felt about it. Never. I'm always amazed by the number of dads who share with me that even though their partner and baby were not ever in any real danger, and in fact, they feel great about how the birth went down. They don't feel the same way at all. They are actually feeling traumatized by this experience, but their trauma continues to go unchecked, undiagnosed, unrecognized and unacknowledged y'all. This is unacceptable. We're not doing everything we can to help these dads and partners begin their lives as confident and capable parents if we're not even asking them about the births of their babies. These dads and partners might be suffering from PTSD, anxiety, depression, or at the very least, a deep sense of helplessness during the birth of their babies, and no one seems to even be aware enough to ask. Today's dads and partners are receiving a lot more scrutiny about their level of commitment and involvement in raising their children right from the start. But if this is true, shouldn't they also be given more respect and support to do so? The stigma around seeking support as a newly postpartum birthing person is enough of an issue, how much more so for the dads and partners who often feel like an afterthought to the whole process of pregnancy, labor, and birth. We need to encourage dads and partners to be more open about their experience of the birth. This requires a level of vulnerability that might not be that easy to access. It's hard to express feeling traumatized, especially when our partners might be feeling like the experience was positive and empowering. It starts by letting dads and partners know that they're not alone if they experience symptoms of PTSD following the birth of their baby even if their birthing partner or baby was never in danger during the experience. Getting help in the early days and weeks of new parenthood can be so incredibly helpful, not just for themselves, but for the long-term health of the entire family. Please check out today's show notes for specific online resources for veterans who might be suffering from PTSD or dads and partners who have not served, but are experiencing symptoms of PTSD following the birth of their baby. There's help available for you to parent from a place of confidence and calm. Embracing your feelings of vulnerability and seeking out the support is not a sign of weakness, but rather the ultimate sign of courage. I had a session with a couple expecting their second baby. I'd work with them privately the first go around due to her unique work schedule. Trying to get into a one-day express class was not even an option. And while I always encourage people to take a group class if they're able to, mostly because there's such great peer-to-peer learning that can happen, if it's not possible, I'm more than happy to meet with couples one-on-one. I've even done some of my best teaching long-distance. I offer all kinds of coaching sessions with folks who are wanting or needing a little bit more support as they begin their final preparations for giving birth, surviving new parenthood, or baby proofing their couple relationship. I ask some questions ahead of time about what they're most wanting to learn and then tailor our time together to what will work best for them. And I'm going to say it. I'm really good at listening and hearing what doesn't get said. And because of this, I've had great success in helping families approach their parenting journey with much more clarity confidence, and excitement, even from thousands of miles away. But I was able to meet with this couple in person. And I did what I always do and sent them an email ahead of time to ask what their specific concerns were about welcoming baby number two. The mama answered the email saying, quote, I had a super gentle, slow labor last time around. I imagine things might be faster and more intense this time. Any tips around that? I'd love to have a little time to talk about how the transition to being a family four will be different. Going into labor and recovering with a toddler at home who has his own set of needs is a concern. All the hidden expectations that we might be carrying based on our experience of having him first. I'm having a hard time envisioning this pregnancy as being unique. It's like, mentally, I think I'm just having my first all over again, but I'm sure things will be different. These are all great insights. From her, but I didn't receive any response or insights from him. In preparation for our get together, I did a little searching for some resources for this couple who were obviously aware of how different it can be to move from being a family of three to a family of four. I was looking for practical, useful tips from others beside myself to normalize this transition for them, but I also wanted to share some of the more funny but true send ups of what it's like to be a first time parent. Compared to a veteran in the trenches. Ultimately, I wanted this couple to be okay with realizing that this second pregnancy and birth couldn't possibly be like their first, even if they tried to plan it that way. But as I was gathering resources, I was getting more and more frustrated by the lack of resources for the partner's experience of having a second child. Now, maybe I just didn't look far enough down the list of results to find the good stuff. Maybe the words I chose didn't rate high enough on SEO for this topic, but I was getting nowhere. Crickets. And then I realized again how often partners, and especially male partners, are left out of the equation. The partner's experience is equally valid and as important, and until we begin as a society to take that seriously, we're setting our families up for a harder-than-necessary transition through birth and into the new family experience. It's so important to recognize my own limitations and to be more insistent about bringing partners into the dialogue. I'm good about this in my in-person classes. Often I receive feedback about how well I address the partner's role or showed how important I am to the whole process. And I'm proud of that. It matters to me. But in my one-on-one sessions in person or online, I could do better. The reality is that most often it's the pregnant person who reaches out to me and sets up the session. My contact to the couple is through them, but I need to do better in reaching out to their partner from the get go so that I know what their specific concerns and hopes are for this experience. In the past, I haven't insisted that the partner also get on the call or Zoom session with me. I still talk up the rule of the partner, but what gets lost if they're not in the Zoom room with us is the partner's unique perspective. And the chance to be acknowledged by me in front of the birthing person on the importance of their role, as they're also making a huge transformation from individual to parent. But that's changed thanks to the past couple of years of almost exclusive online learning. Now I have both do some pre-work before we meet, and then I create some postwork that they can do as a couple to better prepare for the birth of their baby, work together as a parenting team, or prioritize their couple relationship. Sometimes it's those moderated moments where I'm like a fly on the wall that allows the dad or partner to get real about their feelings of vulnerability or helplessness that can surprise them at any point during pregnancy, birth, or parenting. For some pregnant folks or even veteran parents, it might be the first time they get to hear about the specific partner experience. Starting or adding to a family absolutely means new and different feelings of vulnerability will arise for both of you. It's so important that you work with people who are aware enough to consider the similarities and differences in your unique experiences, and then encourage you to share them with one another. How do you think the people you've worked with through your pregnancy, labor, birth, and new parenting could better include partners in this most important transition? If you felt like you had that sense of being included, why? What did they say or do that made you feel like your experience matters? If people have done a good job in this area, encouraging dads and partners to express their feelings about becoming a parent or how parenthood has affected them, give them a shout out. But if you feel this has been lacking, let them know. We all need to be doing a better job around the dad and partner parent experience. Remember, whether you're brand new at this or adding to the family, the partner's experience matters. Breaking news. Partner's loving touch reduces pain. In a study published in the online science journal Nature, it was discovered that a partner's touch resulted in something the researchers termed physiological coupling. The same study also found that empathetic touch from the partner contributed to an analgesic effect via the autonomic nervous system. In other words, when a partner held the hand of the person they cared for and a pain stimulus was activated, the couple would begin to synchronize their breathing and heart rate patterns, otherwise known as physiological coupling. In addition, if they were holding hands, the person would report that their pain lessened. If they were sitting next to one another but not holding hands, the pain level would not be affected. Isn't that cool? I'm joking about the study being big news because it's something I already knew about. But it's important to share this news far and wide because even though I've been preaching it for over 20 years... Everything you do for your partner while they're in labor makes a difference, even if all you do is hold their hand. Partners still don't seem to believe it. Labor is not just something that a birthing person experiences, y'all. The partner experiences labor, too, just in a very different way. For far too long, we've either diminished or ignored the partner's experience of labor to everyone's detriment. We spend a ton of time focused on how vulnerable it is for the birthing person to experience labor and birth. And this makes sense. Giving birth is one of life's most vulnerable experiences. The birthing person is literally opening themselves in a way that they've never done before. But what about the feelings of vulnerability the partner might be feeling during labor and birth? I'll admit that I have a soft spot in my heart for the partner's experience. I know it makes sense to pay close attention to how a birthing person moves through labor and birth, but if we're not paying equal attention to their partner's experience, we're not setting this new family up for success. In fact, we might be doing the exact opposite. So in my classes, I spent a lot of time discussing the second stage of labor, which is pushing and delivery of the baby, using my uterus and baby doll props to share what to expect and what it will look like from the partner's perspective. At this point in the birth experience, the nurses and provider have their attention focused on the laboring person and the baby for good reason. They need to be aware of any changes in the heart rate as the baby moves down and through the birth canal, and they also need to remain alert as the baby's shoulders make their way through the bony pelvis. But not enough attention is being paid to what the partner experiences during this critical time. Partners need to know what a newborn baby really looks like. And what's involved in the process so that the moment their baby enters the world, it can be a moment full of joy for the whole family. But when we forget about the partner's experience and they have no idea what to expect, that moment can result in a partner frozen with fear and in a state of shock at what they're seeing and what's happening. And this can negatively impact their transition as a new parent in a significant way. Likewise, if partners don't realize how important their words, actions, and touch can have on the laboring person's experience, many partners will freeze up and feel helpless as they witness the power and intensity of labor and birth. They may end up feeling as if their efforts and suggestions for comfort measures don't do anything to help, but this couldn't be farther from the truth. Sometimes I'll use a marathon analogy to discuss how important the efforts of the partner can be in helping a birthing person through labor and birth imagine you're running your first marathon. You've heard from friends and family how challenging it can be, but you've also heard about all the extras along the race route that will help you make it across the finish line. The excitement and camaraderie of other runners, the music blaring at checkpoints, the mileage post signs marking your progress, the water stations providing hydration, snacking on energy-packed gummies, reading signs of encouragement from strangers and awaiting you at the finish line, cheering crowds and some of the best peanut butter sandwiches and chocolate milk you have ever tasted. Now, these extras might not seem very important until we take them all away. What if I painted a very different picture of your marathon experience? You're told to stand at the starting line alone, and when the gun goes off, run for 26.2 miles toward the finish line with nothing to help you along the way. No water stations, no music, no snacks, no encouraging crowds, no one waiting for you at the finish line. Nothing. The difference between the first scenario and the second is stark. Without all of those extras, even the most experienced marathon runner would have a hard time completing the race, let alone crossing the finish line with even a hint of a smile. In the same way, Every little thing a partner does to make the laboring person more comfortable matters, and it matters a lot. Every sip of water offered, every new position suggested, every word of encouragement, every reminder to breathe, every single touch provides comfort to the laboring person. And partners need to know this and believe in the power that their undivided attention and connection can bring to the laboring person. I'm reminded of this when I think back to being in labor with my first a really, really long time ago. I had two doulas, one for me and one for my husband. I came prepared with a full team of support for this birth, and all of them worked so hard supporting me in what ended up being a long labor that began, as most labors do, in the wee hours of the morning. I wasn't the only one exhausted some 20 hours into the experience, y'all. My husband had been awake and working hard just as long as I had been, and he was getting tired. I remember hearing my two doulas talking in a stage whisper with Roberto. Go ahead and lie down. Try to get a quick nap in now before the more intense labor begins. We're both here. We can take care of her. A statement that was completely true. One of my doulas was an L&D nurse, soon to be a midwife, and the other was our dear friend who knew my husband and me almost as well as we knew ourselves. They were more than capable of supporting me through my contractions, which up to this point, I'd been handling well. So my husband walked over to the daybed in the labor and delivery room and fell instantly asleep. It's one of his superpowers. And then the strangest thing happened. I totally lost my rhythm and my ability to breathe through contractions. It was like I'd forgotten how to cope somehow. The next handful of contractions were incredibly painful for me. I cried out in anguish and this woke Roberto up and he hurried back to my side and held my hands once more. And then just as quickly... I found my rhythm again, my breathing returned, and I was able to continue and handle my contractions right up until the moment I gave birth several hours later. Now I know from talking with my husband and other partners about their own experiences, how challenging it is to watch the person you love go through labor and birth. It pulls so strongly on the heartstrings and can leave partners feeling incredibly vulnerable and helpless to do anything that they feel will be effective in increasing their partner's comfort level. But here's why I think the findings from the study are so important. They found that it's the feeling of shared empathy between the person and their partner that causes the physiological coupling an analgesic effect that can help a person when they're experiencing pain. That's why I've always told partners in my classes that even if they hired an army of the world's greatest labor doulas, if the partner provides the laboring person with their unwavering, focused, and empathetic attention during the labor, the birthing person will tell everyone they know that they could not have made it through without their partner, even if all they did was hold their hand. Y'all, I love it when someone else does the research and publishes findings that support what I've been teaching my families for over 20 years. Because let's face it, Some partners may think that I'm just trying to make them feel less vulnerable and helpless or elevate their role in the birth experience, which is exactly what I'm trying to do, by the way. But I've also known forever that empathetic touch combined with all the other wonderful comfort measures partners learn really does help a laboring person when they need it the most. And now I have the science to prove it. Can you relate to this as a laboring person? Did your partner's touch, among other things, make labor and birth easier for you? What about partners? Do you have feelings of vulnerability and helplessness around your role during labor and birth? How does it feel to know that your words, actions, and touch can be so effective? Do you believe in the awesome power of physiological coupling? I do. Becoming a parent, if you're the dad or partner, is no less significant and important than that of the pregnant, laboring, or birthing person. But our culture acts like the feelings of vulnerability and helplessness that dads or partners sometimes experience aren't on the same level. This has negative implications for how partners show up for the experiences of pregnancy, labor, birth, and new parenting. Checking in specifically with partners about how they're doing can provide important insight into how they're adapting to this huge life change. Whether you're expecting your first or welcoming another little one into the family, finding a time for your partner to share their responses to the following questions may encourage them to express their particular feelings of vulnerability around what it feels like to become a parent. How has pregnancy or parenting changed you as an individual? What changes have you noticed in your partner? What has been your most favorite part of pregnancy or parenthood? What are you most looking forward to doing with your newborn for a first or a second time? What's been your biggest challenge during this pregnancy or as a parent? How has pregnancy or parenting changed you as a couple? When you imagine the fourth trimester, the first three months with your newborn, what are your biggest concerns? What are your biggest hopes? How do you want to strengthen our couple relationships? Specifically, what are some ideas for creating intimacy when the reality is that we're going to be parenting one or more children alongside complicated work schedules? How do you anticipate the transition of going from couple to family or a family of three to four or more? What do you think will be different? What might be the same? When you imagine our child or children in the future, what do you think your life will be like? Y'all, if you think it's a challenge for pregnant, birthing, and postpartum folks to embrace and then share their feelings of vulnerability, consider how much more challenging it might be for dads and partners. I mean, historically, men are not encouraged to admit to feelings of vulnerability, and the spaces we have set up as a culture for this level of sharing and support continue to be really focused almost entirely on the pregnant, birthing, and postpartum parent. There's a lot of focus on what dads and partners are not doing in their role as a parent. But when they can't ever even get real about their experience, it puts them at a disadvantage from the start. If they're feeling less than certain about how to do things, and it seems like you have the magic touch when it comes to caring for the new baby, many partners can end up feeling outside of this challenging new experience of parenthood and feel like they have nowhere to turn to for that support. I hope I've made a case for being a source of that necessary and much needed support. My love for the dad and partner experience runs deep y'all. I think it's high time that we shift our focus to include both parents in these life-changing experiences. It's what's best for the whole family. If you think birth happens might be what's best for expecting new families. Would you let them know where to find this podcast? It's available everywhere. Or they can listen and subscribe directly at birthhappens.com. Word of mouth matters in the podcast world, so your recommendations to others and ratings of the show make a huge difference in listenership. Thanks so much for being my hype squad. One more episode before we wrap up season two, y'all. Can't wait to connect next time on Birth Happens.